to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, Parables and Object Lessons, you'll learn how and why Jesus used the physical world to introduce the spiritual world to his disciples and how the laws of nature relate to the Bible. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello everyone, my name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And welcome to Freedom to Choose once again, our series Parables and Object Lessons. And before we get started, Susan, would you open with a word of prayer, please? And this is program number 30. It is program number 30 if you're keeping score at home. That's true. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Loving Father in heaven, thank you once again for a wonderful opportunity to um, talk about your goodness. And uh, we just pray that you'll send your spirit to be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, uh, last time we talked about the Lord's Vineyard, and this time we're going to talk about uh, the wedding garment Uh, Jesus never said, by their gifts, you will know them. He said, by their fruits, you will know them. And in that regard, uh, there's there's an application here about uh, this wedding garment. It's very similar to a lot of the other parables. uh, But for the most part, uh, what we're going to talk about today is it's, it's not gifts, it's fruits. And what this garment represents, see, within... Uh, this, uh, this today's program is based on Matthew 22, 1 through 14. And within the parable of the Great Supper and the Wedding Feast, both, there are a lot of object lessons. The, you know, the marriage represents humanity's marriage to, to God. And the wedding garment represents the character, which we all must have as guests for the wedding. And in the parable, like the parable of the Great Supper, uh, there's a gospel invitation. There's a rejection by the Jewish people. And there's a call of mercy to the Gentiles. Right. And when the king came in to see the guests, the real character of all the guests were revealed. There was a wedding garment provided for every guest at the feast. And this garment was a gift from the king. By wearing it, the guests showed that they had respect for their king. That's true. And uh, there's one man shows up in common clothes, doesn't he? Yes. Now, remember, this is a parable. It's not not about clothing. It's about the spiritual application of what the clothing represents. The man wasn't properly prepared for the feast. He didn't like the garment he was supposed to wear. In other words, Christ's character wasn't appealing to him. It was actually an insult to show up this way. Right, and it was like an insult for him to put on that character because he didn't he want didn't it. He didn't like it. It wasn't appealing to him. You see, yeah. so the, the, yeah. the Jews, they rejected Jesus. Right. They looked at him. And said, "That's that insults my yeah. my position in this. In this um, you, you're a blasphemer. Right. How dare you say that you're God? Right. You don't have the right character. Exactly. And so when the king asked, how did you get in without having on a wedding garment? The man couldn't answer. And so he he condemned himself. Then the king said, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him out into outer darkness. And once again, this is a metaphor for being lost. Yeah, cast into outer darkness. It's a metaphor right? It's for being lost. Now, 
the king's assessment of the man's closing was a diagnosis of his spiritual condition. The guests at the, go- uh, at the gospel feast were those who professed to serve God, whose names are written in the book of life. But remember, not all who profess to be Christians are true disciples. Right. Jesus um, said that many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, and he will say, I never knew you. And these people think that they know Jesus. And Jesus equals eternal life is to what? Yeah, you know, what what does it say? Eternal life is to what? Know God. Know God, to know Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Right. So to know him, to love him, to like him so much you want to be like him, you know. and Right, to possess the character that he possessed. Exactly. And, And there are some people that say at the end of time, Lord, Lord, calling him by the name, right? Mm hmm. And he says, I never knew you for who you said you were. Right. Right. Um, This diagnosis of the condition of the hearts of all people is actually being made right now. And you've heard of it, the sealing of the Holy Spirit, if you will. It's before the second coming of Jesus when he comes in the clouds of heaven. For when he comes, his reward is with him to give every man according as his work shall be. Revelation 22, 12. Are we safe to be led into the home up above, or would we still be a problem for the family of God? Hmm. That's the question. Right. And I think that in this regard, we've had it wrong. It's the household that we are joining. It's a family in which parents don't need to change. The children need to change. Right. And we right. Many times we're trying to change we're God. We're trying to change God right. and get him to love us. Mm-hmm. The parents don't need to change in this relationship. Right. It's the children. Right. We're the misbehaving We're the misbehaving. Race. We have the bad characters. Right. You see, and that's, of course, what the garment represented. God doesn't need payment in order for him to change. He needs us to love him. And to do that, we need to change. That's what the garment is in the parable. It's just a revelation that the person has changed. The change in character is given to us by God. It's the Holy Spirit working in the heart. We can refuse to follow the Holy Spirit's direction and not change. That would leave us lost. It's just how things work. Right. It's kind of like with an apple. When it's bright red, it shows when you have a a red apple, it's bright red and it shows that it's now mature. The redness of the apple reveals something about the apple, that it's ripe. So does the apple itself turn itself red? No, the tree simply receives what God offers to it, the water, the nutrients, the sunshine. And in doing so, a wonderful growth miracle happens. And that's just how things work. That's all it has to right. do is the, the tree just simply to receive the blessings. Right. 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 And so like if you're the, the gardener or the, the keeper of the orchard, you're doing everything to help that to encourage, tree. To encourage right. the tree. Correct. And to, you know, to do the things that are necessary, just like we do in our garden or for our fruit trees, we make sure that we keep it watered when there's, you know, when it's 105 degrees outside and you can put bark around the bottom of it to keep the moisture in. There's things that we do to help promote good growth. But, so so we participate in it. But the growth is still a miracle. Absolutely. And so, so that apple to turn red, all it needs to do is receive everything that's given that's good that's given to it and right? and it's and it and it's it's a miracle too because there it goes through many stages yeah. it goes from the flower to the you know to being pollinated to the little um 
the little set fruit to the green to the red. It's it's and that's how the Christian experience is yeah. as well. And you can't pull a stage of growth out of that. Right. So it's similar now if you're gonna look at studying and it's the person in the ninth grade when he completes his final successfully shows or or reveals that he's ready to go in the tenth grade. How does he complete his final successfully? By receiving the knowledge that the teacher has to offer. And how do we receive knowledge? By studying and then applying that knowledge so it becomes the, a part of us. It's, you know, you, you go into science, into the lab, and you do your experiments, you do your math, and you, you have to apply. You do your homework, and you actually apply that home. You actually do the problems, work through the problems. And when you work through the problems, they, that knowledge becomes a part of you. Right, and so you, you're changed. You're changed, right. yeah. But, and that's how you receive, by participating in what the teacher has to offer. You just can't listen and let it go in one ear and out the other and not receive it. And that's how we become a healthy Christian, right? Yeah. By receiving the knowledge that, that, that our great teacher has to offer. And how do we receive it? By studying and then applying the knowledge so that it becomes a part of us. It's just how yeah, everything works. It's how everything works. You can't change it. And that's why, that's why we are a part of this thing. Mm-hmm. God wants us to participate in the recovery of others. Right. You know, um, then- and and so even so, if you don't want like the term recovery, it could be restoration. Restoration. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, restoration, um, healing, yes, any number of things. Mm-hmm. But we need you need to you know when a doctor gives me a prescription, I can't throw the bottle out the window on the way home. I have to trust the doctor and take the prescription right. in order for it to work. You know, it's like it's like that great day of atonement that they talked about in the Old Testament. It's that great day of at one meant back with God. You know, we've been separated from Him, and God wants nothing more than for us to be to be brought back to Him. Just like right. just like the the younger right. son, right? You know, and uh, I think sometimes we as human beings try to we, we get things backwards. You know, the the sun doesn't come up because it's six in the morning. It's six in the morning because the sun has come up. You see what I'm saying? Right. And we get it backwards. It's the same way. We don't love God and claim Christ so that He will love us. We love God because he first loved us. That's how things work. It, it's in a certain order. We love him because he first loved us. God is love. He chases out that fear. He casts out that fear, and that just that changes us. Right, and so the selfish human mind has it backwards and is always trying yeah. to impress God yeah. so that we can change his mind. And really, God's mind is unchangeable. He will always love us, but our response to that love will reveal what our character is. A response to that love will reveal if we love him or not, and whether we're safe to join the family above. A response to that love will reveal if we are in the process of receiving his spirit. That's so true. It'll reveal, just like the redness of the apple reveals that there's a healthy tree. The tree has received all the nutrients, the water, the sunshine, and the air. And you say, this is a healthy tree. Look at that apple. Mm-hmm. Look at the fruit that Look it's producing. Look at the producing. fruit that it's producing. Right. This person has a great relationship with God. Look at the fruit. They've received his grace. They've, they love his character. They want to be like Jesus. They see, you can see Jesus in them. And then when God see it, it's just how things work. We can't change it. And, and one of the things that has always fascinated me, and, and this is what, what kind of 
I almost have to say this to myself all the time, when I, especially when I'm in Rich Kallenberg selfish mode, mm-hmm. is God's position is this. God says, I love you so much that I will die that you might live, but we say I love myself so much that I will kill you that I might love. I might live. God is showing us how reality works on the cross, self-sacrifice. When Jesus gave it all, he what? He resurrected. Right. He gained it all. He gained it all when he gave it all. Right. And the wages of sin, selflessness, selfishness is death, but the gift of God is is an unselfishness or life. Yeah. So to accept the gift meanly simply means to respond according to the Holy Spirit directions, to receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So it's it's so we have to look at that overall principle that the wages of sin is death, that selfishness, it's me, me, me. And when we when we can turn it around like Jesus lived his life, he lived his life for others not for himself. Yeah, the gift of God is unselfishness. Right. Life, yeah. Yes. When Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, he, this was another metaphor. He was saying, assimilate my character. Just like when you eat bread, it becomes a part of you. Jesus is the bread of life. This is what it means to live according to the Spirit. And like Paul says, when we live according to the Spirit, that's life. When we live unselfishly, that's life. Right. The characters of the, of the Bible who lived selfish lives were all lost. Those that listen to the Spirit of God and they put on the garment of Christ's righteousness and they will live on. Yeah, that's, that's, there's no payment made to anyone to change anyone's mind. And, you know, and I think it, having lived the life that, that we've lived, I think it's really a, a demonstration for people like us. And it's black and white. It's so apparent to have to having lived as an addict and to to have the epitome of a, of selfishness rule your life for a long time while while we were in our addiction and to come out of that and to be changed by God is is a great blessing because you can really see the difference of how you know when when an addict if an addict is really honest about their life you know we will tell you that it 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 just made you sick when you when you look back on it mm-hmm. how selfish oh, yeah. and how self-centered and how and so but we have that blessing of seeing the other side it's like total darkness coming into the marvelous light you know you you see you're you're so you're in so much darkness and then to be able to be brought into the life to understand that everything doesn't revolve around you it's just it's it's a very stark contrast where I don't think a lot of people, if they're not on the deep end like we were, have that can have that moment of clarity. But I think that's the moment of clarity that Jesus is trying to communicate to all of us. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm kind of getting a double whammy and a triple whammy because I have a moment of clarity, and then all of a sudden, I I still see that selfish person. Right. You know. Right. And so it's a constant work. It's so you know what, and there's there's Paul in Romans seven, there he right? Is. Right. He see he does the things he doesn't want to do, and the things that he wants to do he can't do, or right. he doesn't do. Right. And that's that nature that we have um, nurtured, right, to take us to that. Place. And if we can understand that God is pleading for us, right, 
I think there's a picture that's painted that's a little bit different than that because there is no payment made right. to change anyone's mind. There's a plea to humanity. That's why in John it says, we have an advocate that is with the Father, Jesus Christ. They are both pleading for us. Jesus is not pleading pleading to change the Father's mind about us. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are pleading with humanity to, for us to follow them, to return their love that were, was revealed so unselfishly on the cross. But we don't want to. Our hearts are selfish and hardened. We're the problem, not God. I'm the problem, and I like the way my life is sometimes and my comfort and my agenda, and it's really hard to do God's will when I have everything I need, and I'm thinking of myself only. Well, you know, I really love that picture of of what's going on. You have the team of God, yeah. Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and we're wayward, right? We're not on the team, and they're pleading with us to change sides and to come on to right. their and side. They'll do it, and they'll knock you right off your horse if, if that's what it takes. The, that's what they had to do with Paul. Right. They'll do whatever it takes and, and then coach you through it, you and know? And sometimes we say, you know, uh, people being allowed to suffer the consequences of their choices is one way that God allows us. You know, many times people will end up in jail if you're an addict, and sometimes that's the best place you for almost, us. We've prayed that prayer, God, do whatever it takes, and I'm afraid to pray that for me because in my struggles, I'm going to take that easy way, and I know it. But but so so can we go back to that that picture of the teammates right and them trying to get us to be a part of their team because paul also says we can we can approach the throne of grace boldly come before the father yeah because he's on our side right they're there waiting and and pleading with us and and that's a beautiful picture to understand that you know if god before you who Who can can be be against against you you? yeah right yeah romans chapter eight read that's fascinating it's god is He's with right, us. The good news is not about us. It's about the about yeah, God yeah. who wants us on his team. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what the good news is. So the wedding garment in the parable is represented represents the pure, spotless character which Christ's true followers will have. It simply means that these people will be unselfish. To the churches it is given that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That's Revelation nineteen eight. Yeah, you'll see these metaphors throughout the Bible. Ephesians five twenty seven, the fine linen, the Bible says, is the righteousness of the saints. Revelation nineteen is Christ's righteousness. Uh I'm sorry, Ephesians five seven, five twenty seven and Re- Revelation nineteen eight. I got them confused. I'm sorry. And it's it's the righteousness of Christ, his own unblemished character, that through faith is imparted to all who receive him as their personal Savior. And once again, we talked about receiving spiritual things. We have to participate. Absolutely. And we're changed when we participate. Right. God's not going to force it onto us. That's right. Um, and so the pure fine linen is a metaphor pointing to a purity of character. That's right. The same character that humanity had before the fall. Those white robes of innocence that were worn by our first parents when they were first placed by God in the in Holy Eden. They lived in perfect conformity to the will of God. All of their affections were given to their Heavenly Father. It was most likely a beautiful soft light, the light of God that enshrouded the holy pair, like when Moses and Elijah came down to the um, to the mount from heaven. Yeah, remember to when they came Jesus. Yeah, they came to and what they were glowing, right? right. Yeah, and I, you know, I think about that in in the the spiritual robes of innocence, if you will. 
um, you know, and had Adam and Eve remained true to God, the, the light would have continued to surround them, and they wouldn't have needed fig leaves. But when selfishness entered, they severed their connection with God, and the light that encircled them departed. And naked and ashamed, they tried to replace those heavenly garments by sewing together fig leaves for covering. Right. And this is what we've done. We've done it ever since. Ever since the day of Adam and Eve's fall, we have sewn together uh, fig leaves to cover our nakedness because um, of our transgression. We have worn garments of our own creation by works of our own. We have tried to cover our sins and to make ourselves acceptable to God. Yep. Nothing we can come up with can replace our lost robe of innocence. No fig leaf garment, no fancy clothes, nothing but an unselfish character given to us by Jesus will do at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Right. It's only the covering which Jesus himself has provided And this covering, the robe of his own righteousness, Christ will put upon every repenting, believing person. Revelation 3.18 says, I counsel thee, he says, to buy from me white raiment that thou may be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness doesn't appear. You know, when he says buy from me, I mean, that that indicates that there's a price to pay. Right. but It's a sacrifice. Right. To get get that white raiment. To purge self. Purge self. Right. Because we want to take the easy route, the selfish route, the self-protecting route, and Jesus is trying to change us back into what he originally intended, where we're not living in fear all the time and trying to protect ourselves. Mm Mm-hmm. Is when we submit ourselves to Jesus, the heart is united with his heart, the will is merged with his will, and the mind becomes one with his mind. The thoughts are brought into captivity to him. We live his life. This is what it means to be clothed with the garments of his righteousness. Right. And then as the Lord looks upon us, he doesn't see leaves or nakedness anymore, but his own robe of righteousness, the healing work that he has performed in each one of us. Yeah, what is righteousness? It's it's simply right doing. And it's by our deeds that we'll be diagnosed. Our characters are revealed by what we do. In other words, the works show whether or not the faith is genuine, right? The works don't purchase God's love. They reveal whether we possess it or not. That's pretty simple. It's not enough for us to believe that Jesus is not an imposter and that the religion of Bible is no fable. We may believe that the name of Jesus is the only name under heaven whereby man may be saved, and yet we may not, through faith, make him our Savior. Mm-hmm. In other words, do we like what he stands for? Do we? Does is his character attractive to Have us? Have we adopted that character? Yeah, in we, our own life. Do we like what we see? Are we like the thief on the cross when when Jesus looked like the big loser of the day? He said, "I'm with this guy." Mm-hmm. You know, because that character doesn't to a lot of people look appealing. Or, or when Jesus during the Last Supper, you Washed. know, how many of us would have been willing to... To, to kneel down and wash a dozen right. pair of dirty feet. Take, take the job of a servant. That's a servant's job. Without being asked yeah. to do that. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it, it's, it's a different way of looking at life. It's a different thing because we're in our comfort zone. I mean, do you have a pretty comfortable life? I have a pretty comfortable life. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really easy to make sure that this is taken care of for me today. I'm going to go get this for me today. I'm going to do this for me today. The next thing you know, the day has gone by and it has been all about me. And I did not think about doing one thing for someone else because 
there's just so much available for me in this life. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? More than any time in earth's history. Right. And in reality, it's all God's. Right. You know, we're we're tucking away the acorns and he's saying, I want to give you the whole tree. Right. Right. And I think we and 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 in tucking away the acorns and in in narrowing our life to that little hole we're putting the acorns in, we get so focused on that that we forget about the whole tree. Right. You forget about the orchard. The orchard, the trees needs to be cared the, for, and the yeah, animals, right, and the, and the fruit, all the fruit that absolutely. it can bear. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna have to r- wrap it up, folks. Um, Remember, you can get a hold of us at www.justasiamministries.com. Uh, you can listen to these programs there. Uh, we do put them up there. And uh, and so you can also give us a call, 916-645-1297. Give us a call. We have some resources available also. Remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg, past addicts, are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.